in the lavender. It is, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of grace from God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. If we go back to the very beginning in the Genesis story, we find the Lord establishing two trees, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Those themes now will be carried through all of the scriptures. The tree of life will become the cross and Jesus crucified for us. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil will become that which feeds the flesh. That which gives us the confidence that we can control our own destiny. And these two are now contrasted in the book of Romans. There are two ways. One is the way of the spirit and one is the way of the flesh. One is the way of the tree of life, and one is the way of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And what's so tricky about this is that the tree of evil has also much good. And so we can be caught believing we are doing a great deal of good, but we are still feasting on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We can avoid the evil of the tree. And take just the good. But we're still walking in the flesh. So we can be very religious. And be filled with self-righteousness. We can be very, very faithful to the church. And utterly unfaithful to Jesus. The flesh loves to hide in the church. I think it's its favorite place to hide. Because now we can do everything that's right. And we can do it all so that we can accomplish our own personal goals. We know that if we're in the church and we're paying tithe and we're, we're loving people and we're doing all of these good things. Everybody has to look at us and say, you've got it together. Well, it's not having it together that brings us into heaven. It's walking in the Spirit that brings us into the kingdom of Jesus. And that's part of what was being spoken of today. There must be a great subduing of the flesh until it is killed. And we walk now in the Spirit, not in the flesh. And this theme is now going to become very large through all of Scripture. The most painful place in the Old Testament for me is Sodom and Gomorrah. You have a righteous man living in Sodom and Gomorrah. But he is utterly ineffective. He does not bring any godliness to this city. And in fact, instead of bringing godliness to the city, he loses his wife. And he loses his two daughters who give birth to wicked nations. 
I mean, when I look at the result of Lot's life, it's very clear he was not walking in the spirit. He was walking in his flesh in the culture of righteousness. But he had no power. And he couldn't save his family. I don't want to walk with Jesus in a manner that causes me to have no power. That causes me to be unable to even save my family. I don't want to walk in a way that is a form of godliness with no power. That's not the cry of my heart. So Sodom and Gomorrah becomes a symbol of wickedness and the judgment of God that will be poured out on the wicked in the final day of judgment. It is walking in the flesh. There must be in our hearts an abhorrence, a hatred for everything of the flesh. We cannot go to bed and sleep beside flesh. We can't walk that way. There has to be in our hearts such a fire that the flesh must go. With our families, we must be so much in the spirit and in love and in the presence of Jesus that our family either can't stand us and cast us out or they're transformed by the power of Jesus. Jesus did not come to bring peace. He is not a sentimental symbol of peace and love. He came to bring a sword, a sword of separation between mother and father, between husband and wife, between brother and sister. He came to bring a sword so that we are so filled with the presence of Jesus and we are so walking in the spirit that those even in our family either are transformed or they flee from us. They can't stand to be with us. Not because of our self-righteousness, but just the opposite, because our absolute humility and self-sacrifice. We have to be Jesus to our families until they can't withstand any longer the presence of Jesus that's in us. How do we get there? That's what we want to talk about. I want to go to chapter 8. Chapter 6 is the background that gives us the basic understanding that we are no longer to walk in sin. But it's not enough to say we're no longer to walk in sin. It's not enough to say what we should not be doing. We have to talk about what we should be doing. 
We're not called to walk not in sin. We're called to walk in righteousness. Now it's true we're not to walk in sin. So where do we walk? We walk in righteousness. We have to walk somewhere. We can't be nowhere. If we're not going to walk in sin, then we're going to walk in righteousness. And the problem we have is that we have a vanilla righteousness. And we have a vanilla sin. And so there's no clear line of demarcation between the two. There has to be a clear line of demarcation between walking in the flesh and walking in the spirit. They're not the same. They're utterly different. Sin is not vanilla. Righteousness is not vanilla. You know, sometimes when I'm making cookies, it calls for a a teaspoon of vanilla. I put in a tablespoon. I may put in two tablespoons because I want to taste it. I love real vanilla ice cream. That when I taste it, I can taste the vanilla. Now, some of you hate vanilla. All right. Some of you hate... I won't go there. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Okay, let's look at the 8th chapter. Therefore, this is verse 1. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you're walking in the Spirit, there's only one place the Spirit abides. And that is in Jesus. The Spirit only goes where Jesus is. He only abides in Jesus. And we are called to walk in Jesus. So we're either going to walk in darkness or we're going to walk in the light. We're either going to walk in the flesh or we're going to walk in the Spirit. We can't walk in both. Now, some of you, like me, love the twilight time. You know, when the sun is setting, everything is calm and peaceful. It's not dark. It's not light. And some of you think you can walk there with Jesus. So you're not really in the dark. You're not really in the bright sunshine. You're in the twilight zone. And all kinds of crazy things happen in the twilight zone. Remember the old movie series, The Twilight Zone? Well, I don't like the twilight zone. Not with Jesus. Jesus is the sun. He is brilliance. There is nothing hidden. So there is not a little twilight zone where you can walk from darkness into light or from light into darkness. There isn't a gray area there. And some of you have tried to live all your life in that gray zone. But I have bad news for you. 
The gray zone is the flesh, light. Hmm? You know, like bud light. Well, the twilight is, is sin light. It's not light with the glory of God. It's light in our own judgment about righteousness. And we think we can dwell in this twilight zone. We can't. It's flesh. Jesus only knows one way of dealing with sin. It's called amputation. We do not grow out of sin. Sin can only be dealt with in one way. We cut it off. You're either dwelling in the light or you're dwelling in the darkness. You can't dwell in between. And always in Scripture, sin brings death. And Jesus brings life. They're clean. They're not the same. They don't dwell together. And of course, you remember what the devil said as he was tempting Eve. You will not surely die? And that's the lie of the modern church. You can dwell in sin and you're not surely going to die because you're covered by God's grace. And grace is this warm blanket that envelops you and makes you comfortable as you walk in your wickedness. That was the devil's lie that he gave Eve. And if you believe what I just said, that you can walk in sin, you're covered by grace, you have been fooled the same way Eve was fooled. Don't believe the deceiver. If there's grace, there's not sin. If there's sin, there's not grace. The two do not dwell in the same space. Grace is a spatial concept. Please understand that. You see this desk. If you're over here and you run, and you try to run through this, what happens? You don't run through this desk. It's heavy. Grace is spatial. It takes up space. Sin is spatial. It takes up space. The two cannot occupy the same space at the same time. One is death and one is life. The spirit is spatial. The flesh is spatial. It takes up room. If your heart is filled with sin, there is no room for the Holy Spirit. If your life is filled with flesh, there's no room for spirit. These are spatial concepts. And we've made them abstract concepts. And we've got to transform and think in reality the way things really are. 
everywhere there is flesh, there is death. Everywhere there is spirit, there is life. And what makes this difficult to understand is that by the mercy of God, we have been granted a time of probation. And it's very easy during that time of probation to begin to imagine that because I'm alive, I'm okay. Because I woke up this morning, I'm okay. But you reach a point at some place in your life where you look in the mirror and you can't hide the gray hair anymore. And you suddenly begin to recognize you have been traversing downward. Entropy rules the day. And everything goes downhill until there is an infusion of energy outside of us. And you begin to recognize your flesh is taking you down a path that will destroy you. For all flesh will die. You understand, no flesh gets into heaven. you will not get into heaven with the body you're in. No flesh will enter heaven. Only the spirit body will enter heaven. So we need to be thinking about a very clear difference between our flesh body and our spirit For flesh will not inherit the kingdom of God. The spirit is what inherits the kingdom of God. So, let me just press you for a moment and then I want to go into the depths. Today's message, I think, is for the giraffes. I'm trusting you're all giraffes today. It's very clear. that most of us have been convinced that we can enter heaven in our flesh. And that somewhere along the way, suddenly in the twinkling of an eye, we'll be transformed morally. There will be no moment of twinkling of an eye when we are changed morally. Your last day on earth and your first day in heaven you will be the same moral person or you will not enter into glory. Think about it. Can you enter heaven the way you are right now? If you are in rebellion against the Lord in any known area, you are unfit to enter heaven. Now, here's where we struggle. 
because I suspect if I did a timeline of your activities in the last week, you spent a lot more time taking care of your flesh than taking care of your spirit. That tells me, if that is true, that you believe your flesh is more important than your spirit. And it warns me that you're not focusing in a manner that will allow you to enter the kingdom of heaven because you're trying to build your kingdom here. And if you build your kingdom in the flesh at the neglect of the spiritual kingdom of God, you will miss out on heaven. Everything you do in time and space and history should have a 100% focus on eternity. That the reason you're doing this is for the kingdom of God. The reason my sister goes to the public school and teaches these eighth graders, consuming great amount of time and energy, should be for the salvation of these young people. To build them up in godliness. Now, she may not be able to talk God talk, but these kids, they understand love talk. They understand discipline talk. They understand moral talk. Am I right? So everything that we're engaged in should not be beat them over the head religious, but should be moral and godly. I challenge my brother Kevin. Sometimes he's wondering what my next question will be. But always I tell him he is at WAVA for one purpose. Yes, it's to get the broadcasts on the air. But what he's really there for is to minister the gospel of Jesus to those other employees. And you should watch him do it. He's a master at it. So, let me ask, in this last week, has your primary focus and attention been on the Spirit, Jesus, or in the flesh? And with that answer, you will indicate whether or not you are prepared to enter into the kingdom of God. And I'm not going to make this a personal examination with each of you, even though I would like to. That's between you and Jesus. But we do see the backwash. What kind of backwash is behind you from this week? Now let's look at this eighth chapter. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
in is a spatial concept. In Jesus. Not in yourself. In Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering or an atonement offering. And so He condemned sin in sinful man. Literally, He judged. At the cross, Jesus passed judgment on sin. Now I rejoice that not only did he pass judgment on sin, but he opened a way of escape from that sin so that I no longer have to walk in it. But these are not abstract concepts. These have to become daily understandings of how I am called to walk in Jesus. Jesus condemned. Jesus passed his verdict on all flesh and said it cannot inhabit the kingdom of God. Now, not this hand, although this hand cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We are called to live in a most difficult conundrum. We're called to walk in this body with the spirit of the living God dwelling in us so that we do not violate the kingdom of God. And this is the probationary time we're in. Do you understand that when Adam fell, you were given over to darkness? You are the child of Adam and Eve. And because of that, you are condemned. And it takes the power of the blood of Jesus to remove you from being children of Adam so that you become children of God. All children of Adam will die. There is a requirement, a necessity, that you walk out from under the judgment God has made about sin so that you walk in righteousness, innocence. Now watch. So he judged or condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous or innocent requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. You understand there was an Old Testament moral code. It was a reflection of God's character. 
Before the law was given, there was a moral code. The commands of God were there. They were required to adhere to the moral code of God. The only thing that has changed in the new covenant is a different access to righteousness. In the old covenant, the only access to righteousness was keeping the law. In the new covenant, the only access to righteousness is through the blood of Jesus and the spirit of the living God. So there is now a different avenue to enter into righteousness, but the requirement is the same. Sin will still cause you to die, and righteousness will cause you to live. But there is a new avenue, Romans the first chapter, there is a new opening for us to enter into righteousness. And that is the death of the flesh and entering into the spirit. Let's take it further and you'll begin to see what he's talking about. Verse 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. What does the sinful nature desire? Ascendancy, power, recognition, lust of the flesh, the taste of the mouth, My dad, if I began to tell him that I wasn't feeling very good and I wanted to stay home from school, he would say to me, Raymond, I want to help you get well quickly. Okay, daddy. And he would go to the refrigerator and he would pull out a bottle of cod liver oil. And he would say, Raymond, you have the choice. You can either go to school or you can take a tablespoon of this cod liver oil. Inevitably, I would say, Daddy, I'm fine. I just got well. I could not countenance swallowing that absolutely horrid cod liver oil. If I said, okay, Daddy, I'll take it, he knew I was sick. It was his acid test to determine my true physical condition. God also has tests to determine our true spiritual condition. Will you turn aside from the candy? Will you turn aside from the junk? Will you turn aside from those things that you think you enjoy that are utterly ungodly and will you go to Jesus? I recognize that for some of you Jesus is like cod liver oil. The natural man does not like cod liver oil. But you see, I'm not a man any longer who does what feels good. 
I'm a man who follows Jesus Christ. And the flesh has to be cut off. And the Spirit of God has to be lifted up. Yesterday, I got up in the morning and I had a whole day planned for for getting outside and I was hoping that the sunshine would come out. So I, I got up early and I sat down and I began to read the scriptures. And I suddenly forgot all about time. And I came to, I guess it was probably 3 or 3.30 in the afternoon. And suddenly realized I hadn't eaten anything. I'd just gotten so caught in the word that it was just so pleasurable to my to my heart that I didn't think of anything else. And here I was planning a wonderful day where I didn't have to see anybody, I didn't have to go anywhere, I could just do some things that I haven't been able to do for a while. And I found something that was sweeter than honey. Now, there was a time in my life, if you told me, Ray, you're going to spend the day reading the scriptures, I would have said, uh, that doesn't sound good to me. I'm going to go to sleep trying to read that stuff. Boring. That's not true anymore in my life. What tasted horrible at one time in my life now captivates me and holds my attention and keeps me wide awake. I didn't struggle one time with getting sleepy. I was just rejoicing. And I'd stop. The Holy Spirit would convict me. And I'd begin to pray. And it was kind of a balance back and forth as the Lord would begin to talk to me and give me direction. And I'd go back and read the word. And he'd speak again. And he'd comfort my heart. It was the most exciting day I've spent. I can't tell you how long where I didn't have to study for the radio, I didn't have to study for a sermon, I could just devour in a recreational way the scriptures of the Lord. And to have him come and meet me, what a glorious day it was for me. I didn't get one phone call, at least that I heard. I was just... It was like swooshing down a ski slope. You could feel the breeze of God in your face. What I'm trying to say to you is that things in the flesh that don't taste good, there has to be a a change over so that things of the Spirit begin to captivate our hearts. And the things of the flesh, they don't taste good anymore. They're revolting. That's the transition that has to happen in our hearts. And it happens by the blood of Jesus. As he transforms us. It won't happen until we've made an absolute commitment to cut off everything of darkness from our hearts. I'm learning and I've learned and I'm learning and I've I've learned and I'm learning and I I learned. You hear what I'm saying? What gives me heartburn 
what gives me distress, what gives me hardship in my life, is when I'm not willing to submit to the Spirit. If you're upset in your life and in your heart, it's because you are not submitted in the Spirit and you are still walking in the flesh. You're still rebelling. You're still putting out your vibes. You haven't been subdued. You're still claiming your right to walk in the flesh. And the Spirit of God is saying, let it go. Stay under. Don't rebel. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't strike out at somebody else. Don't be angry at your situation. Submit. Stay under what Jesus has called you to. Look, there is no shortcut in getting out of the flesh and into the spirit. Okay? Remember, it's spatial. It's geographic. You can walk in the geography of the devil where the serpent is constantly on you, or you can walk in the spirit where when he comes, he will do his best to destroy you, but you look to Jesus. And even in the pain of the body, you look to Jesus and you say, I'm going to trust you, Jesus. You deal with this serpent. And suddenly there's light in our faces. We don't need a Holy Spirit facelift. We're rejoicing. And people are saying, why are you so happy? What's wrong? What happened this week that made you like this? I was walking with a friend. And this friend said to me, Ray, you seem so light, so happy. What happened? I said, this is me normally. This is me walking with Jesus. Next time you see me heavy, confront me. And say, do you need a Holy Spirit facelift? Let's pray. See, there's no condemnation in Jesus Christ. There's no judgment against me in Jesus. If there's any one thing we seem to lack in our lives today, it is the joy of the Holy Spirit. That's only going to come as we give up being sad because the devil is on our case. Or because we can't have our way. Those who live according to the sinful nature, verse 5, have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. 
those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body... Oh, wait a minute. If Christ is in you... Earlier it said, if you're in Christ. Now we're talking about something that is so exciting that we are in Christ, but we don't get lost in Him because now He comes and dwells in us. Are you ready to give up your sadness? Are you willing to give up being a victim? Are you willing to give up being the boss? Are you willing to give up being in charge with your judgments, with your criticisms, even of yourself? But especially husbands, are you willing to give up judging your wives? Wives, are you willing to give up judging your husbands? That's really the issue, isn't it? Are you willing to move full-time into Jesus Christ? And are you willing to let him move full-time into you? But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. Now I'm going to say something that's going to be hard to get a hold of, but we've got to try to grab it. Your body is flesh. And it's dead. You say, well, I'm not dead. Yes, you are. You live in a body that is dead. It is dying even as we speak. The body will never inherit the kingdom of God. The body you have, you will lose before you enter heaven's gate. Flesh cannot inherit the kingdom of God. That means you're going to have to treat very lightly this body. Yes, you take care of it. And yes, I have to have some major repairs done on occasion. But yes, it's going to be bulldozed. And another structure is going to be raised up in Jesus Christ. So that means I have to give up my love affair with this body, this flesh, and everything that it attracts to itself. This body that you see right now 
has life energy in it. And that life energy is from the Holy Spirit who quickens my mortal body. I'm going to read that to you in just a second. The person who is not in Jesus Christ is continuing to be able to have that spark of life out of the kindness and mercy of God. And that spark of life is only temporary and will soon be gone. And you will face the judgment. But, if you are in Christ Jesus and he is in you, the Holy Spirit is now quickening this mortal body. And it's vital that you understand the difference and know whether you're operating on weak battery power. I mean, have you ever looked at your cell phone? And you see you're down at the bottom and it's starting to beep and you're on a very important conversation. And what do you say to the person? My phone's about to die. We better wrap this up. Well, your battery is about to run out. And you better wrap up what you're doing. Unless the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you and the Holy Spirit is quickening your mortal body and your battery is not going to go out. Oh, you'll make a transition, but you'll get a new charge at heaven's gate. I'll read it to you. Verse 12, therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. How do you put to death the misdeeds of the body? You go to Jesus and you say, this is wrong. Your Spirit is telling me this is wrong. I renounce it in the name of Jesus. Make me hate it, Jesus. I cut it off in the name of Jesus. I'm no longer going to walk there. I'm not going to do that. I'm changing direction. That's called repentance. Radical turn. I'm not going to go there anymore. By the power of Jesus. I just talked with a man this week. He called me. He said, Pastor, I can't tell you how Pilgrim's Progress the Lord has used to totally change my life. But I'm going to tell you, it's not just my life that's been changed. It's my wife. It's my stepson. Our whole family has been transformed by the gospel of Jesus. He was an alcoholic. He's now been sober. Over a year he's been sober. His wife was on the verge of leaving. His marriage was breaking because of his alcoholism. The marriage is restored. I said, to Jesus be the glory. Only Jesus can do that. If by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. 
And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. There will be no glory in your life if there is no suffering in your life. When you turn away from your sin, you will suffer. You will suffer the pangs of saying, I want to go back to my comfortable wickedness. Come on. We all have our little comfort zones. And when we deny them, we turn aside from them. We suffer. We suffer withdrawal from our sin. All sin is drug related. And when we say no to the drugs, very quickly we get a headache. Very quickly we begin to go into withdrawal. A man who is constantly watching pornography, if he turns the pornography off, he will go into serious withdrawal pains. If a man is constantly allowing his anger to rule his heart, he is always being offended by others. If he cuts off that, he will go into withdrawal pains. And the occasion will come when he should blow his stack. And when he cuts it off, it'll be embarrassing to him. It will cut at his manhood. It will make him feel like he is less than a man. This is the suffering we will begin to engage in. And then Satan will also bring every attack against our finances. He'll bring every attack possible from every direction. And we will suffer if we're going to follow Jesus. If we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory... Verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. See, the Spirit of God sides with us against ourselves and against the darkness. Today, I want you to stop thinking about the Spirit as something ethereal. But rather think of it as God's grace. Think of Him as God's grace. The divine influencer of our hearts. 
And we've got to make a transition from living in this body as the focal point of everything for us and begin to focus on Jesus Christ. And allow the Holy Spirit to come and begin to do that deep inner work. And I want to tell you now to stop lying and stop cheating and stop committing fornication and to stop the gluttony and to stop lying, all the outer sins that we're accustomed to speaking about. That's just kindergarten. That's just the first step. It's a supernatural step, but it is just the first step. It's then that the Holy Spirit begins to totally metamorphose us, totally renovate the inner being, totally transform and change us into the likeness of Jesus. This is the work of the Spirit in our hearts. If we're going to walk in the Spirit, we're going to have to engage in the disciplines of the church that we have always been taught about but seldom want to practice. It's going to require fasting. It's going to require prayer. Not shooting prayers at heaven, but serious prayer time. It's going to require reading the Scriptures. It's going to require meditation. It's going to require a change in behavior so that we don't go down the same old paths anymore. It's going to require putting the church at the center of our heart. It is the family of God. It's the place where we minister one to another. It's the place where the word of God is spoken where the confrontation of the Spirit takes place. It's where faith comes from. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. It comes by preaching, the foolishness of preaching. When we come into a worship service, and we begin to listen to preaching, it's the same thing that happens when we sit down and watch television. We open our heart and our mind and our soul and the devil can feed whatever into us he wants to feed to us. There is no conscious gate that blocks out the devil's presence. When you come into a church service and the preaching is honest and straight from the word of God, the gates are down. And you may go out and say, I don't remember a thing that was said today. It doesn't matter. The surgery was done in your heart. The Holy Spirit did something in your spirit. Now, hopefully, the day will come when you can remember and begin to put into practice what you heard. But I'm not offended by somebody who says, Pastor, I don't remember a thing you said. I said, great, you were just uh, anesthetized by God while he worked in your heart. <laughs> Some people can't stand the surgery at first. The requirement is that we open our hearts to the Word of God and to the Holy Spirit. And we say, please come in and do your work of surgery in me. I urge you to read carefully. 
this eighth chapter of the book of Romans. I read it over and over and over. We're out of time today. The heart cry from mine to Jesus is that you would dwell in him and that he would dwell in you. That we would look less and less like the world and more and more like Jesus. But that all sin would simply be cut off. That we would no longer have any twilight zone time in the week. That we would be given entirely into Jesus' hands. To be changed and transformed and to be used by him for the salvation of others. You know, all of this is not about you and me. It's about Jesus and it's about others. So this week, who do you have to love? No, not you. I mean, no, this is not about loving you. This is about who are you going to love this week with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where you'll invite men and women, boys and girls, to walk in the spirit of the living God. It's about Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you would quicken us in our mortal bodies. Lord, there are some here who are sick. I ask that your Holy Spirit would come and enter in with healing power. Lord, there are some here who are discouraged and wondering, can I really enter into the Spirit? Lord, would you come with healing power in their spirit? For, Lord, you don't come with judgment against us. You come with with mercy and compassion to bring us into your kingdom. Lord, would you just cut all of the delusion of our hearts that Satan has filled us with and cause us to see reality for what it is. And Lord, we will praise you and honor you and glorify your name. For Jesus, you are the one we love. I pray in your holy name. Amen.